Live from downtown Boogertown, it's Three Hillbillies on a Couch with your hosts, Boo Boo, Biggins, and Buford, three of the hillbillies in the holler. Y'all pull up a chair and set a spell. Hey, it's me, Buford, and welcome to another episode of Three Hillbillies on a Couch. This episode's a little special because we recorded it live at the local eatery in Seymour, Tennessee. So sit back, relax, and listen to this live recording of Three Hillbillies on a Couch. All right, welcome to the local eatery, everybody. My name's Boo Boo. I'm Buford. <laughs> Take a look at Boo Boo. Gator's over there. Gator's going to be joining us later. We're later, part, Gator. I know. We're part of the Hillbillies and the Holler. Who follows the Holler? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Well, the rest of you hopefully will by the time yeah. we're done. Yeah, I know. We're going to have some fun tonight. Welcome to our podcast. This is the first time we're doing it, so we're learning. Trying to learn anyway. First time we're doing it live. First time we're doing it live. We're on season two of Three Hillbillies on a Couch. If you listen to podcasts, it's going real great. We've got a superstar going to be up here in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So uh, don't want to miss that. The legendary Ron Fuller's in the house. That's right. The Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. Man, my favorite wrestler growing up. I loved wrestling growing up. He's six feet nine, 265 pounds. What'd you do today, Buford? What did I do today? Yeah. I spent a lot of the day getting ready for this. I did too. <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> been working. Uh, I've been working on that electric car. I'm building my own electric car. Yeah? Yeah. When you going to show it to me? I, I got to get five miles of extension cord. <laughs> okay. Then I'll bring her on down. Well, I went for a run this morning. You went for a run? Yeah. I ain't ever seen that many game wardens at one time. <laughs> <laughs> Up over the hill around the woods and everything. I was out fishing with Megan, and uh, <laughs> a game warden come up, and I took off running. He chased me through the woods. Finally caught up to me. He said, well, why'd you run? I gave him my fishing license. He said, you didn't have to run. You got a fishing license. I said, yeah, but my buddy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what friends are for. That's what it? friends are for. <laughs> Biggins. Everybody's asking about Biggins there. He's lost some weight. He has. He's he's not as big as he used to be. Uh, at one time, if he was two inches taller, he'd been round. Yeah. He ain't big like that. No, he was taller laying down than he was standing up. I know. He's 121 pounds. He's <laughs> lost 121 pounds. He's not 121 pounds. He's lost lost all that weight. Doing real good. But you know, we couldn't find a scale for him when that first that diet first started. No. No. But he got it figured out. He called me up one day and he said, Boo-boo, I went to Home Depot and I bought me a full-length mirror. I said, you did? He said, that's how I keep up with progress on my diet. I said, what do you do? He said, well, I put it in my bathroom. When I get out of the shower, I stand in front of that full-length mirror, and right before I put any clothes on, I stand in front of that mirror, and I raise my foot up and stomp as hard as I can. And when I quit jiggling, he's, he's got a stopwatch, you see. <laughs> he's he's lost, the he lost three seconds last month. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Time that. that's, that's a better way to do it. That's genius right there. Well, I don't know if it's genius, but it's pretty smart. I don't know. I'm burning up. It's hot out there, oh, isn't it? Oh, son. My goodness, I didn't see it so it's hot. It's been so hot. How hot has it been? <laughs> the Baptists have gone to sprinkling, the Methodists are using a moist cloth, and the Catholics are praying for the wine to turn back into water. That's pretty hot, isn't it? That's hot. Popcorn popping out in the field? Yeah. <laughs> Popcorn popping in the field. Yeah, that happened back years ago down in Texas. My great-grandfather was plowing a field, and the corn started popping. Yeah. The mule thought it was snowing, and he laid down and froze to death. <laughs> Somebody back there knows what you're talking about. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm going all tech. This technology's wrecking my life. I figured I better get on with it. I'm going to put me some, one of them wind turbines up on that hill. Oh, to generate electricity. Yes, sir. That's a good idea. You ought to put two up there. No, sir. I ain't got enough wind for two. <laughs> I've only got, got enough for that one. Oh, my, my goodness. goodness. That's crazy down there. Let's see what's in the news Somebody's phones are ringing. Is that the I think that's the Probation story. officer's calling again. Yeah. I'm glad I brought my truck down here anyway. It's one of them gaskets. Do you know, I've wanted a truck ever since 1999. Finally got me one. Yeah? Yeah, I got me a 99 Dodge. Oh, <laughs> that, that's the one you was wanting back that's then? That's the one I was wanting back then. That's the one I got. <laughs> I, you know what? I doubled the uh, value of my vehicle today. What'd you do? Put gas in it. <laughs> Isn't that the <laughs> truth? Filled it up. Good night. This technology. You can't hide money, absolutely. You can't hide money. All right. Hey, everybody, we got any uh, locals in the house? Where's our locals at? Let me hear you, locals. That's what I'm talking about. All right, now, where's our tourists at? Nobody. All right. And that's why it's called the local eatery. We don't tell We keep this one quiet. We don't tell the secret tourists about it. We're afraid somebody from Ohio might find out. You know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they don't use their blinker. No. It's a sign of weakness. That's right. (laughs) They make you guess. There's a reason they put their uh, license plate on the front of the car and the back of the car so we can see them coming and going. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've done this for 10 years. Y'all are welcome to do this too, but you got to do it to somebody from Ohio. It has to be for somebody from Ohio. I don't know why I pick on them, but I do. I just it's fun. It. It's fun. It never fails. Somebody will come up to me and they go, are you a local? Oh, yeah. They said, how do you pronounce this town? Is it Seaverville or Sevierville? And I'll say, well, where are you from? They'll say Alabama, Sevierville, Michigan, Sevierville. But if they say, is it Sevierville or Sevierville? And I say, where are you from? And they say, Ohio. I say with a clear face, it's neither one. It's Sevier Valet. (laughs) Knowing they're going to repeat that at least once. Put a little French twist on it. I've done that for 10 years. Remember the other day we went in that uh, shell station. station. Red Light 3, Wears Valley Road. Walked in there and they said, (laughs) boo-boo, you're struck again. I said, how? They said, this family's getting candy and drinks and everything, having a good old time. And we said, first time to uh, Smoky Mountains. They said, why, yes, it is. They said, you staying here in Pigeon Forge? They said, no, we're down in Sevier Valet. Old boy said, what part of Ohio y'all from? <laughs> y'all free to do that, too. It's just us locals around he here. He hollered at us. He walked in and said, boo-boo, you got another one. <laughs> but boo-boo always says it's a, the worst part of it is it's a joke with no ending because when he, we don't get to be with them when, we're, when they're back in Ohio and their neighbor says, hey, Bill, y'all went on vacation. Where'd you go? Oh, we went down to the Smokies. Oh, where'd you stay? Savia Valet. Is that anywhere near Sevierville? No, we talked to a local. He told us. <laughs> That's a free one right there. You can do that one. See what else is new. See, I got my Dodge truck, and you got you a, what was it? One of them nice. Oh, I got, no, I got a brand new Cadillac for my wife. You got a brand new Cadillac for your wife? Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good trade. That's one of them joke hand grenades. We're going to wait till y'all get it. She's explaining it to him yeah. back there. <laughs> Hey, anybody in here grow up on a farm? Okay, Where's I, our farm people at? Raise your raise hand Raise your hand if you grew up on the farm. I did. I admitted I did this. How many people in here ever licked a salt block? Oh, come on, you did. There's my people back uh-huh. there. And some of them ain't the ones that grew up on the farm. <laughs> Got a special bunch in here. 
<laughs> they climbed their neighbor's four-strand barbed wire fence waiting on the whole thing to get done. Yeah, we just licked them when they was brand new. I know. We ripped it out of that box. right out of the wrapper. <laughs> He's sharing it with a Holstein. <laughs> a lady the other day, she said, what is a salt block? I said, well, I'll take a shot at this. It's a block of salt. <laughs> How about that for some information? <laughs> Ice technology's wrecking my life. She says, how do you pass that at the dinner table? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen. These smartphones, they got smartphones now. My phone used to be tied to a wall. Y'all remember that? And uh, long ring, short ring, party line. Who remembers party line? You you remember you take that phone off, hear people talking? If you cover it up at one end, you could hear what that unspoken prayer request was about. Know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Rotary. Is it? The rotary. Can you imagine trying to text on a rotary? I know it's one of these three letters. I just remember if your friend had too many zeros in their phone number, you thought about whether you liked them that much, you needed to call them. Yeah, I liked, <laughs> I loved the zeros one. That was fun, wasn't it? It didn't take much to entertain us. I don't know if I got us. that much time. Hey, times have changed, though. My mom would send me to the store with $1, eight years old. You sure wouldn't do that today? Shoot, no. But you know, back then, I didn't have... A smartphone or a beeper, just eight-year-old me and a dollar. And for one thing, you wouldn't send an eight-year-old to the store by themselves. And you definitely can't get much with a dollar. But way back then, y'all remember those days? One dollar, an eight-year-old could come back with potatoes and onions, loaf of bread, quarter milk, a little bit of bologna, two packs of cigarettes, and some change. Can't you, do that today. Nope. They got security cameras everywhere today. I'm going to wait till she explains that to him back there. <laughs> Well, guys, we're about to start our podcast. It's three. Anybody listen to podcasts? One of the greatest podcasts out there right now is called the Studcast. Ron Fuller, the legend, Studcast, an incredible storyteller. I've always been a fan of his wrestling, but I never realized what a great storyteller he is. And we've got him in the house tonight. How about that? And he's written a book here, Buford. Tell me about that book. Uh, well, I'll let him tell about the book, but let me tell you a little bit about Ron Fuller, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Fuller Welch, the Tennessee stud, was born in Dyersburg, Tennessee, into the oldest and largest professional fa- wrestling family in the world. How many wrestling fans we got in the house? Yeah, me hear you, wrestling fans. Hey, where's that go? I ain't ever heard wrestling fans be that quiet. I saw two or three just put up two fingers like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you don't act that way at the reunion arena. I know okay. that. <laughs> you know, he's the grandson of Roy Welch, the first family member to ever enter into a wrestling ring in 1924. Roy's been followed into the square circle by more than 20 others in the last 93 years. The Welch Hatfield, how about that, known as Fields, Fuller, and Golden families represent four generations of wrestlers, promoters, and referees. Back in the 70s, Ron began his career wrestling in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Who remembers that? Well, I sure do. Six feet, nine inches tall, 265 pounds, he is the largest of the world-famous family. He wrestled in Florida throughout the years, championship wrestling, and made his international debut in Australia, the Bahamas, and Puerto Rico, and throughout the Caribbean. Ron was becoming a national star wrestling, get this, the Madison Square Gardens in New York City, and often in St. Louis, the home of the NWA. He became the Tennessee stud and followed in the footsteps of his father and grandfather, building his first wrestling company, Southeastern Championship Wrestling in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
He would become one of the most successful small territories in the world. His innovative television wrestling show set the standard for excellence with the introduction. Now, get this. He's the first one to introduce instant replays. How about that? Now, everybody does it in every sports. First person to introduce instant replays and split screen viewed by huge audiences in five states. Record numbers of fans filled arenas throughout the South. Go on to Southeastern Championship Wrestling had attracted a multitude of stars in the sport. He expanded his Knoxville company to Pensacola, Florida, creating a separate northern and southern territory. Let's see. He's established one of the wrestling stars. He's, he went on into hockey and on a couple of hockey teams. We may get into that. He's now written a book, and I told him earlier, if you remember Jaws, the movie, In the Ocean, this is about a wild animal in the Great Smoky Mountains. He writes about the Great Smoky Mountains. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our honor. He's become a treasure of East Tennessee. Put your hands together for the legend himself, the stud, Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. And now it's time for a quick word from our sponsor, BigfootSearchGear.com. Do you walk through the forest with an eye open for the unknown? Do you believe that Bigfoot is out there, somewhere? He may be hiding, but you don't have to. Let the world know you believe. Visit BigfootSearchGear.com for the largest collection of apparel and gifts for Bigfoot enthusiasts. Bigfoot t-shirts, hats, stickers, signs, and keychains, as well as Sasquatch hot sauce. It'll make you howl like a Yeti. Go to BigfootSearchGear.com and enter promo code HILLBILLIES at checkout for 10% off. Free shipping to anywhere in the U.S. on orders over $25. BigfootSearchGear.com Now let's go back to the local eatery and our interview with Ron Fuller. Well, you've moved back to East Tennessee here. Welcome, Tennessee Stud. Give us a full report. What's going on with Stud? Oh, geez, man. Uh, having a great time. Uh, just moved back to Tennessee about a year ago, and wow, it's just been wonderful. Living in Cosby. You're living in Cosby, Cosby now? Cosby, man. Uh, right in the middle of the mountains, and uh, just beautiful every day. Uh, loving it. Yeah. Loving it. Now, do you have any... Uh, now, I know you come from over in West Tennessee, but your first... Uh, uh, introduction to East Tennessee was with the wrestling. Yeah, yeah. The uh, when I moved to Knoxville, uh, I came out of Florida Territory in 1974, and, and uh, bought the company from a guy named John Kazana. Used yes. to be the promoter here, and uh, developed my own company. Developed a couple of companies actually out of that one company, and uh, and as you mentioned. I was in hockey. I've done a little bit of everything. ADT. I owned an ADT company. I That's did, awesome. I had a real business company. A real business company. <laughs> well, when it comes to wrestling, your family's pretty much, I mean, that's where it started. Yeah, I mean, uh, my granddad started in uh, 1924. He was in one of the first territories in America, uh, out of Columbus, Ohio. And then he went to uh, Tennessee, moved into Tennessee, a little town called Dyersburg, and uh, created... Uh, one of the biggest wrestling territories in history. He had in 12 states in the South. That's he right. was running 12 states. And that's Roy. Roy Welch. Roy, Roy yeah. Welch. Yeah. My dad was a promoter and a wrestler. And I got a brother that wrestles and cousins that wrestle. And I mean, uh, wow. It's, it's been family business. That is awesome. 
Well, I know the fascinating story. Now, was Roy uh, the one that was trained by Dutch Mantel? Dutch Mantel, yeah. Now, that's not the Dutch Mantel we're familiar with. That's right. a different one. This is the old Dutch Mantel. The first one, in the one, 1920s. Yeah. yeah, first one. Yeah. yeah. He could stretch a man, could he? Oh, wow. He's a bad son of a gun, man. He was nasty. If you see a picture of him, you understand how bad he was. Really? Yeah, I mean, he is one of the ugliest guys I have ever seen in my life. Now, he didn't train your grandfather right off the bat. Your grandfather just kind of pursued it and pushed him, didn't he? Yeah, my grandfather, uh, he didn't want to train anybody. My grandfather went there, and he broke his wrist the first time they ever worked out. He came back uh, three months later, got his wrist well, and he broke his ribs the second time, second time they wrestled. And uh, my granddad came back about four months later, and he said, well, Jace, you know, he had a Dutch accent. He said, I think, uh, I think you're going to be all right, boy. <laughs> We're going to train you. Go train you after you. <laughs> yeah, I've been broke you up a couple of times. We'll train you now. Yeah, that's old martial arts masters used to do that years ago. They beat beat a guy half to death, and he was dumb enough to come back. There you go. They, you, they train him. You didn't want to train. You didn't want to spend time with somebody that was not going to be turn out to be uh, serious about it. Right now, that's back when the towns were closer together, and we didn't have the internet, a lot of technology, or you know, the phones were just wires were getting rung, and so they would just kind of move town to town that might only be 30 miles apart, right? Oh, yeah. They, they, they go a lot of different places. Uh, I got a Dutch Mantel story. Oh, I'd love to hear it. All right. Uh, Dutch, Mantel, Dutch Mantel became a millionaire in the 20s, the early 1920s. Uh, he was one of the first guys to own a Ford, Model T. And uh, so Dutch, uh, Dutch used to go to the towns, country towns back in those days that didn't have many cars. They right. had very few roads. And he'd ride in there on a horse, and he had another guy's bookkeeper would ride with him. They'd go to the saloon about four o'clock in the afternoon, and he was he was small. He was a small, tiny-looking guy, and he wasn't real strong. Yeah. But he knew how to wrestle. He knew how to hurt you. So uh, he would go into the t- into the bar, and he'd be real loudmouth, and he'd say, you know, I he'd get everybody's attention. And he'd say, I can beat anybody in this town at running, at racing. You know, I'm the fastest racer, fastest runner. He'd just mouth off big time. He'd get him a few bets up. They'd go out in the street and he'd race and they'd just beat him. He'd, he'd lose by 50 yards, right? And uh, So he'd go back in, he'd be madder, and he'd make more noise. And then he would say, I'm, I'm strong, a lot stronger than I look because uh, I, I, can, uh, I can beat the strongest man at arm wrestling that you got in town. And they, they would all run out this time, you know, they kind of, well, this guy's kind of nuts, right? Yeah. You know, but he'd cover all the bets. So they run out, they, uh, they find the strongest guy, they bring him in the bar, they sit down at the table, and wham, the guy just slammed his arm down on the table. And then he just goes crazy. He goes, well, that's a, you know, I'll bet anybody, I'll double all the bets, if, and I can beat anybody you got here at wrestling. And uh, he, the bar would just... They'd, they'd, they'd all run out, right? This guy's an idiot, right? They go, they go, he's money. He's yeah, money. he got the guy down here, and he's losing his money, and he's got a lot of money. And, you know, we got to get some money up. Let's find old Joe and whoever their tough wrestler was. I believe we call that hustling. Hustling. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he did. And so he would then bring the guy in, and they would, uh, they would cover all the bets. And he would say, I'll double your bet. Whatever your bet is, I'll double it. And uh, 
So uh, then he'd go out in the, in the road. And, you know, in front of the old uh, saloons, it was just dirt back in those days. We didn't have many cars. And uh, he would just, wow. He'd, within 30 seconds, he'd have this guy screaming, oh, God, I give up, I give up. And then he would take all the money, right? Uh, my granddad said that he sometimes he would leave with half the money in the city. You know, because all those people are coming, they bet up everything, right? With all this going on, and this guy's an idiot, and all that. And then he would go 15 miles down the road two days later and do it again. Nobody we, could warn anybody in time. We had the, uh, the, the, they used to do a thing on the sideshows back in the day, uh, the, the, the man eating chicken. And people would come in, and it'd just be a guy eating chicken. And then they would, and everybody'd get mad, and they'd say, "No way! You paid your your dime to get in here and see the man eating chicken. Now you can be mad about that, or you can run out and pull this trick on all your friends, get them to come and spend their dime. But by the end of the thing, everybody in town had seen the man eating chicken for a dime, and the only bunch that was mad was the last group that didn't have nobody to go tell. <laughs> then we had Amway. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It sounds like the original Dutch Mantel was kind of like that orangutan that Berman's daddy fought. It sounds like it. We, I don't know if you yes. heard that story. No, we we told it on the one. podcast a couple weeks ago, but no, Berman's but, daddy went to the uh, fair. Yes. This was before Berman was born. But uh, he and his uh, uncle were there. There was two brothers, you know. And uh, one brother was a Golden Gloves boxer. The other one was just a teenager. And uh, they had a orangutan. You could pay to get in and fight. And said uh, uh, his daddy got in there 16 years old, and they slammed that cage, and that was that orangutan's cue to go nuts. Just went to whooping on him. They said he was in there hollering, y'all quit, y'all quit. It's like there's a bunch of them over here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then his, after watching him fight a few people, then the older brother that was a golden glove boxer got in there, and he laid that monkey out, kicked him right in the chin. And he said the promoter was like, I ain't giving you no money. You broke my monkey. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you give me some money or you'll be next. <laughs> That's a good stuff. That's a good stuff. Now, your granddaddy, uh, Roy, uh, you had a, would that be your uncle, great uncles that yeah. wrestled with him? Yeah, he had three brothers. Three brothers, yeah. and all of them wrestled. All of them wrestled, yeah. Now, uh, I can't remember the story, so I don't want to tell it wrong. There's a story where they went up north to wrestle, and they needed somebody else. They yeah, yeah they picked up a guy on the side of the road, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a, they had a four-match card. They had four wrestlers on the card, and they only had three of them that got in the car to go there. They went from Dyersburg, Tennessee, to Bluefield, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, this was in the 1930s, the Depression time. Yes. And there was a lot of hitchhikers. And they all the way there, they kept watching everything. They said, is that guy big enough? That, that, let's get here. What do you think? What do you think? You know, and then finally they go, oh, there he is. This is our boy right here. <laughs> they pull over, and they get the guy in the car. And he has no clue what they're doing. He has no clue what they do or anything else. And they start telling, he says, what do you guys do? Well, we're wrestlers, you know. And the guy says, geez, man, you know, I've I never been, I heard about that stuff, you know. Well, man. And they said, you know, they said, we're short a guy tonight. Would you like to wrestle? And the, the guy goes, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll get paid, right? And he yeah. goes, yeah, yeah, you get paid. You know, so they get to Bluefield, West Virginia, and uh, and it's during the Depression, you know, and they didn't have, they weren't getting big payoffs, that's for sure. And uh, they wrestled two out of three fall with this guy, my my, 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 my grandfather and his uh, his brother Herb. And uh, they scuffed this guy up, they stretched him, they just, oh, they just, uh, you know, and they got about 40 minutes out of the match, right? Yeah. And just wallering him all over. And he came back in the dressing room and they got ready to pay off. And uh, 
they came around and they started paying off and they gave him 25 cents. That was his payoff, right? Now, this is in the Depression, you know, that was better than nothing, you know, a little bit of money, right? And he says, so, you know, he says, you guys nuts? He goes, you do this every night for this? He goes, you're stupid. You guys, and my granddad got mad at him. He said, wait, hey, shut up, you know. And then they finally had to beat heck out of him before it was over. You know, he said, hey, you can't say that. So he did get a ride out of the way. He got a ride. And a lesson. Yeah, yeah, and he and got a quarter. And he found his way on the way home. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's take another quick break for a word from our sponsor, coffeeandsugar.com. And today's episode is brought to you by coffeeandsugar.com. That's K-A-W-F-E-E-A-N-D-S-U-G-A-R, coffeeandsugar.com. Home of Granny's Hillbilly Coffee, some of the best coffee you'll ever drink. If you use promo code HOLLER at checkout, you'll save 15% off orders of $29 or more. Visit coffeeandsugar.com and tell them the Hillbillies in the Holler sent you. And we're back. Let's go back to the local eatery and our interview with Ron Fuller. I take, uh, for those listening to our podcast, if you want to listen to a good podcast, the Studcast, how, how long have you been doing that podcast, Ron? Uh, I've been doing it uh, three more weeks. So it'll be five years. Wow. And how many oh, episodes? Uh, 257 episodes. Well, you're quite the storyteller. It's amazing uh, behind the scenes in the world of wrestling. Uh, you've wrestled all over the world. One of my favorite stories is down in Australia. Uh, I just can't imagine the, the the dressing rooms you described. Oh, geez, man. Uh, you know, that country is amazing in itself. Uh, it's crazy. You know, uh, it's a dangerous, it's so dangerous, man. Uh, the first time I went down to the beach, uh, I was out surfing. I went body surfing, and I'm out there pretty close to where the actual surfers were. And, uh, and the horn went off on the beach. I saw these, you know, those platforms, and there was, I thought they were lifeguards, right? And, uh, and the horn went off. And uh, so I just kept going back and catching another wave, and I noticed that everybody's leaving me, right? <laughs> you know, and I, I was like, yeah. So I, so I kind of look around, you know, like, hey, what's the deal? And, and then finally one Aussie, he screams at me. He says, hey, mate. He goes, uh, it's a shark horn, mate. You know, and I said, uh, I, I thought I heard him wrong. You know, I said, wait a minute. What did, did he say? What I thought he said? What did you say? And he said, the shark horn, mate. He said, are you going to stay out here? And I said, why, hell no. <laughs> I, I was the first guy on the beach. I beat all the rest of them to the beach, man. And, Six and foot I, nine, yeah, walking across yeah. the water. And then I turned around and I went back and wouldn't, didn't go back in the water until probably 30 minutes after everybody else did, right? Oh, I was like, wait a minute now. You know, and then the horn went off again. And the helicopters came down and they hollered at the guys on the beaches and the towers and they go, you got a 10-foot Mako out there and, and you got a 12-foot white too, mate. You know, and uh, I'm like, whoa, y'all not going back out there. I think there. I'm going to build a sandcastle. Oh, <laughs> oh, that country was crazy, man. Everything they had there was kill you <laughs> everything <laughs> everything snakes, the spiders the yeah. snakes i mean they were all deadly what was it that was in the shower oh yeah they went in the light or something yeah i got through wrestling one night and i went in the shower and they had no light in there and uh i got in there i'm taking a shower and i know the stories that's toward the end i've been there three months and, and they'd say hey this uh, this kind of type spider and this one and this one are they're all deadly as heck and, and so uh 
uh, I got a guy that, I, that worked there, and I said, hey, can you get a light and put the, put the bulb in this light for me here in the shower? And I've been in there for like 10 minutes, and, and the water's up around my ankles, above my ankles, and uh, he gets the light bulb on, and I look, and the whole sides of the wall are full of spiders. They're all on the, on the water around my feet. And I jumped, I jumped out, I jumped halfway across the room, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a bath at the beach. And I go, what a minute, man. What's the story? And he, he looks. He's an Aussie. And he goes, oh, he goes, those boys are bad. He says, I can't believe you made it out of there, mate. <laughs> no. Unbelievable. <laughs> it was a and, crazy place. And you, you wrestled in the rain and the mud. And- oh, yeah, yeah. Wrestled in the rain that night. And in in it was in a... Uh, a Surrey Stadium, where they have the whole buggies and the horse racing, right? Uh, and it rained so much. It was it was a monsoon season in the northern part of Australia. So, uh, so uh, I had a match with a guy named Don Carson, and and he was blonde haired, and he got out of the ring. It's in the mud, and he started running down the track, and he says, "Follow me." You know, and I'm like, what do you mean, man? I got on these white boots and everything. I'm like, are you crazy? And so I have to, I get out of the ring and I go after him. And then we get out there and uh, and he says, uh, throw me over the rail. So I slammed him over the rail and it was so deep and muddy, he disappeared. <laughs> I couldn't find him. He was gone. I had to reach in there like, where are you? Where is he? Right? And I pull him up, and he's this solid mud. His blonde hair is black. His whole face is like, and then he, and he was laughing. He was like, he says, we'll get back to the ring. Let's go. And he took off running back to the ring. I mean, wow. <laughs> you talking about that blonde hair made me think about, I was present for a legendary wrestling match one night. Uh, Christmas Day, 1983, Reunion Arena in Dallas, Ric Flair and David Von Erich. Oh, yeah. yeah and uh, it was a cage good. match. And David was running Rick's head up and down that cage. And by the end of it, he had strawberry blonde hair. So oh, yeah, blood. yeah. But, I'm you sure. know, six weeks later, David was dead. Oh, yeah. That was sad. Uh, David was a good friend of mine. I yeah. met David uh, just months before he died in Las Vegas. Uh, uh, great family. Yeah, Rick Flair. Just, I wrestled Rick Flair ten times. I was telling my wife about uh, that and, and about that match and about the whole Von Erich family. And then we were watching a video on YouTube and they showed where they're all buried in Dallas. And uh, then I don't know, two or three days later, I told her, hey, did you hear Zac Efron is making a movie about the Von Erich family? And my wife said, well, that's not going to have a happy ending. Oh, no, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, the, that's a tragic story. That yes. family is a really tragic story. He used to talk Ric Flair. He's, he's about to do his, what he says is his last match. Yeah, I, I heard that, man. And I saw a picture of him about three weeks ago. He'd been working out with some guy, and he looked great. I, they have video on there, and he's pushing the weights. He's running. Uh, he honestly looks like a 50-year-old bouncing around the ring. Yeah. You know? You know, and you know, he almost died. Yeah. About had, two years ago, he was right at the point of well, death. Yeah. They thought he wasn't going to make it. Tough uh, as nails. Yep. Tough as nails. We were talking about Australia while we're, before we leave Australia. You had a friend that wrestled too. And what made me think of this is we've got some friends that wrestle in Pigeon Forge with micro wrestling. Of course, they say little people now, back then, mm-hmm. midgets. Right. Your friend, you, did you bring him to Australia or was he already oh, he, there? No, no, he, the promoter brought him to Australia, but he was from Japan. And uh, his name was Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo. And, and here I was at 6'9", and I had the little Japanese midget walking with me on the beach. We would go to the beach every day. 
you know, and he wanted to go to the beach, and uh, you know, and we and he couldn't speak English. I mean, we couldn't even communicate, but he would just smile, you know. Oh, big! I'm having a good time, right? Yeah. And uh, and it was like there would be mobs of people. They would go like, "Wow, look, look at this!" And I'm, you know, I'm six nine, and he's he's a little bitty short Japanese dude. That's like, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. We we had a we had a fun. We got a video on our Facebook page. It's about about 10 million views now of me chasing away a bear. You just see the bear run oh. off the woods. You hear me hollering. <laughs> but the funniest part of that whole story, it's not in the video, and I wish it was. But Boo Boo and I were doing a presentation at one of the resorts up in Gatlinburg, and we had our back to the woods. It was about 20 feet behind us, and we had one of the uh, micro wrestlers with us, a guy named Bam Bam. And all of a sudden, Bam Bam's trying to get under my coat. <laughs> and I said, what, what are you doing? And he said, bear, bear. And we turned around, there was a bear 10 feet from us. He'd never and seen a bear. He'd never seen a bear. He said, what are we going to do? And Boo Boo said, we're going to run faster than you. <laughs> but bears don't like anything bigger than them or louder than them, and I'm both. So I hollered at it, and the bear ran off into the woods. But poor Boo Boo, he walked around for the next 20 minutes going, Damn, that was intense. <laughs> he was breathless. Listen. I've, seen, I've seen a lot of bears since yeah. I've been up there. In, oh, you will up there in, in Cosby. Uh, Cosby, man. Wow, I see. I got one that comes every day. Got yeah. one that's on my porch sometimes in the morning. I have to look out the window before I open the door. Because you don't know if he's out oh, there. Oh, yeah. You got, you got a lot of bears up in Cosby. I think some of them sit on the city council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of bears up there. Well, how young were you uh, when you went professional wrestling? Uh, I started in, as soon as I got out of college. I played ball at the University of Miami, basketball, and uh, I went into 1970. I was, uh, geez, uh, I was a 2021. 2021. 2021. And uh, I, up till then, just starting out, what was your first big match? Oh, my first big match. It takes a while to get a big match when you start wrestling, you know. And yeah. you, you, don't, you don't start out against the main eventers. Right. You know? uh, my first big match was probably uh, six months in. I got a chance to wrestle a guy named uh, Nick Bockwinkle. Oh, yeah, Nick Bockwinkle. Fantastic wrestler. Could have been and should have been an NWA world champion. He was the AWA world champion for a lot of years. And a great wrestler. And wow, that was an experience for me. And, uh, and he took a liking to me, and, and he spent a lot of time. He watched all my matches for the rest of that year. And every night after the match, he would take me in the dressing room, and he'd tell me all the things I did wrong. Yeah. And uh, he really helped me become, become a good wrestler. Well, they said he was very intelligent. Oh, he was extremely intelligent, a lot of class, always wore a suit, you know, lots of times a tie. Uh, he was a great representative of sport. So from the time you started, how long before you were in like Madison Square Garden? Uh, I started in 1970, and I wrestled Madison Square Garden in 1973. That's uh, pretty quick. That had to be an experience. Yeah, yeah normally it takes you five, five to seven years as a pro to get to be good enough to uh, to, to wrestle in big, big, big oldies and get uh, invited to a place like Madison Square Garden. Man, so, that, uh, you know, I was, uh, and it, and I wrestled a guy that uh, was the, he was the mouthpiece for Andre the Giant. Uh, he was a little bitty French guy and Andre spoke French and Andre had just been in the country not too long. He, and he was going all over the country wrestling and this guy, Frenchy was his name. Frenchy. Frenchy 
would would take him and and, and speak for him. Uh, and I did a story for you real quick about Andre. Okay, uh, Frenchy Andre the Giant. First time I ever saw him was in Tampa, Florida. Uh, and it was me and a bunch of young guys like Dick Slater and Mike Graham and uh, Bob Wharton Jr., a bunch of us young guys. And a guy comes to the door of the dressing room and he opens the door. And the, the whole room got dark. There was a light behind him back there, right? And he stood in the doorway and then he ducked his head down and he turned sideways to come through the door to get in the wow. room. And then when he stood up, it was Andre. Well, we'd never seen Andre or heard of him at this point. And we're like, oh, my God, well, who is this, right? And so uh, we get to ask him real quick, well, what's the, what's the matches tonight? We're in a battle royal. They said, we're in a battle royal. You got a battle royal. And, uh, and we said, is he in it, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, of course, he was in it. So, anyway, I went over to see him. I went over to meet him. And, uh, and, uh, and I was looking at his hands and the size of his fingers and all that. Frenchy says, uh, you want to see something really cool? I said, yeah. And so he said, Andre, uh, you're in French. Talked to him in French. He said, uh, give him your ring finger. So he took his finger off his ring, his ring finger, right? And, uh, and uh, then Frenchy reached in his pocket because he did this on a regular basis, I'm sure. He took a silver dollar and passed it through the ring. Wow. Wow. Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok at Hillbillies in the Holler and at Meet Buford. For merchandise, go to hillbilliesintheholler.com and meetbuford.com. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's where people can find out about the show. And tell your friends about us. Share this on Facebook. We'll see you next week here in Boogertown. I'm Buford. Be good to each other. You've been listening to Three Hillbillies on a Couch, live from downtown Boogertown. You can follow us on social media at Hillbillies in the Holler, at Moonshiner's Life, and at Meet Buford. Y'all come back now. <laughs>